Okay, our reading is from Ephesians 2, 19 to 20. So now, you Gentiles, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together, we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Okay, we might get started. If you could grab your seat, that would be great. Let me pray. Father, we thank you that we can gather around your word. I pray that you would speak to us this morning. I don't have anything to say or the right words to say unless you say it. So would you speak and would you open our hearts to hear what you have to say to us in Jesus' name. Amen. What's your experience of church? For some people, church is the highlight of their week. For other people, church is something they wish they could drop off their week. Um, What's your experience of church? We're in the last week of looking at our series on what it means for us to be the church, for us to be part of the community of God. And I think there's plenty of people in our community who are happy with the idea of being a Christian. They're happy with... Uh, the idea that Jesus loves them, they think, yeah, that's great. Um, the idea that even I have to live as a Christian, they, they're happy with that. The problem is Sunday mornings. The problem is um, that from, for many people's experiences, church is lonely. It can be unwelcoming. It can be judgmental or fake. And for some people, church is just plain weird. And if that's been your experience of church or that you've been hurt by church, I'm, I'm sorry. And I hope that we can be a community that models something different, models Jesus. But we have this tension. On one hand, we have people's experiences of church. And on the other hand, we have something that's fundamental to human nature, which is our need for belonging. All of us need to belong. And in, in this culture, in our individuating individualistic culture at the moment. Um, we're told, set your own path, go and, and, and uh, be independent, run your race and be true to who you are. And yet, more people now are feeling lonely and isolated and alone than ever before, ever before in history. We have this tension, our, our experience of church and yet our need to belong. And what does the gospel say about this? Well, if we believe the gospel, we find a radical calling to community. If 2,000 years ago, Jesus was was torn out of community, out of the Trinity, he cried on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He felt isolated. He was cast out of the city, out of the people of God, seemingly abandoned by God. Why? All so that we could be brought in, so that we could be welcomed. He was torn out so that we could be brought into a new community. If we believe that, then for the last few weeks we've been talking about how God calls us first to be a movement, not a museum. Remember we looked at how we're called to be uh, moving towards God, towards each other, towards each other and towards our community. And then we looked how being the church means a new way to be human. We're called to uh, be radically different in the way that we have our relationships. We love people in our community by the way we treat the poor, by the way we use our money, and the way we see the dignity of all work. 
The gospel does all this and more. And it's important that we start with looking at the church as something that we do. It's a way we live. Because I think the, the easy um, mindset for a lot of us to slip into is that church is a building or something on a Sunday morning. No, church is a community and it's a way of living, a new way of being human. So we start there, but I think a lot of people could go, okay, a new way of being human, I get that, that's cool. I, I still don't think I need to go to church on a Sunday. There's a whole lot of people that say, I'm Christian, but mm, Sunday's not for me. Um, too early on the weekend, or it's just not my kind of scene. Um, Jesus, yes, church, no. What does the gospel say to that? And um, how do we look at that question? Well, um, last week we looked at how fundamental to the gospel, if we believe the gospel, fundamental to that is that we realize we're poor in spirit. I have no assets before God, nothing to my name. I realize I have no reason for God to bless me. I can't save myself. So if, if God's going to save me, he needs to do all the work for me, right? I realize I am more wicked and, and sinful than I could ever dare imagine. And yet, at the same time, I'm more loved and accepted than I could ever dare believe, which is amazing. That's grace. We're saved by a gift of God. The problem is that if we believe we're saved by grace, there's some pretty scary consequences. Uh, Tim Keller, I talked about him a while ago over the last two weeks, and he was talking with a young woman who was thinking about becoming a Christian, and she was scared by this idea of grace. He says this, I asked her, what was scary about unmerited free grace? And she replied, if I was saved by my good works, then there would be a limit to what God could ask of me. I'd be like a taxpayer with rights. I would have done my duty and now I, I deserve a certain quality of life. But if it's true that I'm a sinner saved by sheer grace at God's infinite cost to himself, then there's nothing that God cannot ask of me. If I believe the gospel, if I realize I am, am saved by sheer grace, then I am holy God's. I, I belong to him. He's purchased me for himself. And, and that means the gospel isn't just, I'm saved, I go to heaven when I die. No, the gospel is now I'm called into a new way of living, a new community to continue Jesus' mission on earth, to redeem everything. And for some crazy reason, God has chosen that the local church is the hope of the world. We sang that in our song. The church, we're called to be the hope of the world. Why? Well, theologian Karl Barth puts it like this, that God the Holy Spirit can show up whenever and however he wants. He's God. But the Holy Spirit chooses to work through and, and, and primarily to use the church, an event, a community. He promises, as, as we were sharing before, when, when Jesus says, when two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. Now, if that's true, uh, Ephesians 4.13 says, as we were reading in Ephesians before, when we gather, when we come together and use our gifts, God promises to uh, give us, it says in Ephesians 4.13, 
to attain the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. When we gather, when we build one another up, and when we serve one another and continue this mission, God promises to give us deeper gulps of himself. That's what it means when we gather together. He's with us. But how do we do this in practice? How do we change the way um, we change people's experiences from one hand to churches lonely, unwelcoming, boring, weird, to actually being this promise of a community that's so different, a gospel counterculture? And I've got two things I'd like to share with you. First is that we're called to be uh, radically inclusive of those on the outside and then radically belonging to each other as family. Radically inclusive of those on the outside and radically belonging to each other as family. First, we're called to be radically inclusive. Jesus was radically, scandalously, beautifully, shockingly inclusive. He preferred the company of white-collar criminals like Matthew the tax collector. He, he chose to hang out with sex workers like Mary Magdalene. He, he ate with and, and rubbed shoulders with the shady underworld types at Levi's dinner party. He, he uh, called terrorists like Simon the Zealot to come follow him. Who does that? Jesus himself couldn't be accused of anything wrong. He was without sin. And yet, this was a type of holiness that preferred the company of the least, the last, the lost. He, um, I've got a picture, a couple of slides forward. One more. Yeah, there's a painting here. Uh, when I was in New Zealand, one of the students I studied with at Bible College, Becky Iona, painted this painting, and I love it. It's a painting of, um, in Auckland, all the down and outs. We have... Um, a drug addict on the side, an alcoholic, um, who ironically are in, in white-collar clothes, uh, good-looking jobs, and yet deep down behind the surface, we're all trying to bury something. There was a couple of Maori people who uh, are homeless. They've been pushed out by the housing crisis in Auckland. A domestic violence victim, a derelict youth, a, a sex worker, a disabled person in a wheelchair, and in the middle of them, is Jesus. And he showed up, classic Kiwi style, with the fish and chips. And I love this painting because Jesus chose to be with these people. In fact, they're all sitting in front of a church which, whose gates are locked, with a sign out the front saying, all are welcome at the table. And yet, sitting in front of Jesus is the yellow spray can where he's written, yeah, right. You see, something is fundamentally wrong when the church, the movement of people who are patterned after the person of Jesus, doesn't include or accept the people that Jesus chose to embrace. Something is radically wrong. We're called to reflect Jesus. And yet, the reality is most people in Australia, and probably most people in Corowa, feel that they're not good enough to come into our church. When I was in Broken Hill, uh, a common saying that you'd hear people say is, um, uh, uh, me, go to church? If someone like me came into church, the roof would fall down. Have you heard something like that? The moment someone says that, we have failed as a church. We have failed to reflect Jesus in our community. 
We need to be a church that is so um, refusing to be impressed by the world's status ladders and pecking orders because we've been saved by grace. It's, it's a gift. We, we realize we're poor in spirit. We have no reason for God to bless us. And yet, we have been. We've received it all. We realize I have nothing before God, and yet, just the same as the poor, the outcast, we realize we're all infinitely loved by God. In the Bible, um, the New Testament recent, re- repeatedly calls us to show hospitality. And most of us, when we hear the word hospitality, think of dinner parties or maybe serving in a restaurant, working in hospitality. But in the Bible, the word that um, Paul uses is philoxenia. Now, philo is love and xenia is strangers. That's where we get our word xenophobia or the fear of strangers. And against the the xenophobia, the fear of strangers in the world, the church was called to be a place that radically embraced strangers, that said, um, whoever you are, you belong here, and whoever you are, you can come and be treated like family. Are we a church like that? Are we a church where people who are different to us can come in and be accepted? I know I'm often not like that. Um, I think it's a challenge for us all. But being the church means that we are a community, uh, an event, a place where, where we're called to radically include those on the outside. Now, second point. The church means that we're called to radically belong as family. The first is we're radically inclusive. The second is we're called to radically belong to each other as family. Now, as Ro read out earlier... Our passage in, in uh, Ephesians described the church as a home, as a family. You're the family of God now. I want to read this out in a slightly different translation, a paraphrase, which says it like this. You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home and he's using us all, irrespective of how we got here in what he is building. He used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation and now he's using you, fitting you together brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God and all of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. How do we do that? How do we become a place where we're family, where we belong to each other, where it's home? Because I think we use that language, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we reflect it. And so firstly, church cannot be a place of cliques. We're called to be a place where we love everyone in our community, and especially those on the fringes. Uh, I know I often feel when I think about this, um, sometimes, oh, I, I don't really know that person. Um, they're kind of different to me, or maybe they're older than me, or younger than me. Um, I don't really want to be uncomfortable. And yet, Jesus was uncomfortable for us. We see the gospel is Jesus gave up everything, all his rights, all his comfort, so that we could be brought in. If we believe that, then we're called to radically include others. Ephesians 6 says, God God does not show favoritism. And we're called to reflect that. 1 Corinthians, be anxious to love everyone well. 
And so our challenge as a church, I challenge you, let's be a church where today, after church, go and speak to someone that you wouldn't normally speak to and treat them like family. Secondly, church should be a place where we're deeply entwined with each other. Acts 2, uh, the church has just formed and um, the apostles, we read, met together in the temple every day and they shared everything with each other. That's a thick community. Now, maybe we can't do that, but hey, I challenge you, let's start by sending two people this week a message just saying, hey, how are you going? I'm praying for you. Start by moving closer to each other because we're called to be radically family. And finally, we're called to be a community of praise. We're called to to find ways in which people are growing in their relationship with God and notice it. Hey, I saw that, wow, you're starting to really engage in worship more. Or, hey, you're really loving people, and that's, that's great. Find where people are growing in their faith and celebrate it. We're called to find where people are, uh, are talented and encourage them, champion them to use their gifts. We're called to find places where people are sacrificing in church because people are doing incredible sacrifices in our community all the time. We see people choosing to come back here like Emma and Bella. Even today, Josh drove back from Echuca to be part of worship. We see people sacrificing in incredible ways. We've got to celebrate that and acknowledge it. I want to finish um, with uh, a story that was part of something that was significant to me. Last year, when I was studying in New Zealand, I uh, rocked up in Auckland. This was my first time living in a big city, and I I showed up at a church called Central Church. Um, I didn't know anyone there. It was my first time in the city, let alone at this church. And I walked into the church, and within a couple of minutes... Someone came down and sat next to me and, and put their arm around me and said, Hey, how are you going? My name's Chris. And um, it wasn't in an awkward way at all. It was just really deep and, and genuine. And not only did he greet me, but he said, I'm going to sit with you. Is that okay? Can I sit with you through the service? And after the service, a bunch of people said, Oh, we're going out for lunch. Come join us, Noah. And I was just part of the family. And I, at the end of that day, I felt so much like the words that came to mind were, I felt like I'd been welcomed home, and it stuck with me. But not only that, I think sometimes it can be the first day, someone's new, and that's fine, but it it wasn't the first day. Week after week, people would be welcoming, and not only that, um, it would be through the week. People would be sending messages, how are you going? Um, How is your exam that you just sat? What's been happening? People would catch up regularly to to eat with each other. Maybe the All Blacks were playing Australia, which I didn't go to because it was terrible last year. But um, we got together and just shared time with each other. And it felt like we were family. It felt like we belonged to each other. So that when something bad happened, we felt radically included. When something was, was difficult... We felt like we belonged to each other and there was support and it really felt like you belonged here. So my prayer for you is that whether you've been part of this church for 30 minutes or 30 years, that you'd feel like you belong here. And my prayer for us as a church is that may we welcome the outsider, those who are radically different to us just like Jesus did. And may we 
be radically family to each other, just like Jesus did. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that because of what you did in the cross, through the gospel, we who have nothing to bring to you are radically accepted. We realize I'm more wicked and, and sinful than I could ever dare imagine, and yet because of what you did, I'm more radically loved than I could ever dare believe. Lord, help us to be the church that you call us to be, to radically include the outsiders and to be family, to radically belong as family. We can't do this without your spirit. So would you change us and grow us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.